0: Michael Sussman motioned to dismiss, denied. Remember Mr. Sussman, one of the campaign lawyers for Hillary Clinton, brought some documents over to the FBI, said, I'm just a good citizen. I'm just here out of the goodness of my heart to communicate a threat about Donald Trump. He didn't really communicate to them that he was there on behalf of Hillary. He was at a law firm that was representing her campaign. And so he said, your honor, this is not appropriate. So the indictment, as it was written, didn't have enough there to allow criminal charges to move forward. And so he filed a motion to dismiss. We covered that at length. The government, Durham, the prosecutors responded, We had a reply from Mr. Sussman, and then we get the order. You can see on April 14th, a six-page order came out from the judge. Judge's name is Christopher Cooper, and he issued this order denying the dismissal. So Durham opposed the dismissal. He wants the criminal charges to go forward. Sussman filed to dismiss them, and the judge is denying that motion. says here, We get some background. The judge says last September, a grand jury indicted Washington, D.C.-based lawyer Michael Sussman on a single count, making a false statement to the FBI, lied to them. There was a September 19, 2016 meeting right before the election, remember, between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, taking place at FBI headquarters. Mr. Sussman, seen here, was meeting with Mr. Baker, seen here, and they had a conversation about this. According to the indictment filed by Durham... Sussman requested the meeting to provide the FBI with information or back then they called them white papers and the data files. He said that these are going to support the media reports that Trump is colluding with the Russians. Remember, this whole story came out and Hillary was sort of under fire for her emails. And we're here in September and Hillary's kind of going down in the polls a little bit. And so they need this October surprise. They've been concocting this whole thing for a long time. And then it comes time. We have Sussman goes and meets with the FBI, says, I'm going to share with you all of this information out of the goodness of my heart, according to him. But we know now the indictment claims that Sussman actually concealed from Baker, so the Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer, that he was providing information to the FBI in a political capacity. And we're going to take a look at the notes in the next two slides that came out from these meetings or the notes that were memorialized from two other FBI agents here specifically, Sussman told Baker, so this guy to this guy, that he was not attending this meeting on behalf of any client, when in fact he was. He assembled this on behalf of two specific clients who see them down here. We have Rodney Jaffe, tech executive number one, the guy who had this contract who was sort of uh, able to access DNS records and insert himself into the chain of information so he could see exactly what certain locations were doing on the internet and these locations of course the executive office of the presidency trump towers trump central park anything trump they were going after that was one client number two hillary clinton in the presidential campaign he was representing her his law firm the fbi opened an investigation based on what sussman provided but then ultimately looked into it determined that there was insufficient evidence to support the existence of a communication channel between trump and russia (laughs) what I wonder why. Maybe because there wasn't one. Sussman has pled not guilty to the charge and denies lying to the FBI. But we see these notes from these two people. We have Bill Prystapp, who was the assistant director under uh, Jim Baker. No, Jim Baker was general counsel. Remember, we had Comey, James Comey, who was the director of the FBI. And then we have the assistant director, Bill bill meets with michael sussman you see here notes number one michael sussman attorney perkins coy Hmm. bullet points under that title says represents the dnc represents the clinton foundation etc well that's interesting wow you mean you you're here with information going against donald trump that's going to make him look like a total loser and that's not a red flag to this assistant director you see here also represented former DOJ officials been approached by prominent cyber people, you know, academics and corporations. You see that this is sort of where Rodney Jaffe came into play, tech executive number 1. And so he says that, you know, the media is going to run a post on Friday Trump org server, you know, communicates through Tor and all hospitals and all nonsense, right? This was all being concocted by Michael Steele by Igor Danchenko. We also had Fusion GPS and many others concocting this whole scheme. Now he's got information. He takes notes. But the crux of this is here. He was he says not doing this for any client, not doing this for any client. Hmm. Well, that's very curious because you build Hillary Clinton for it. You said meeting with the FBI on behalf of uh, this Trump story. Build hillary clinton so what was he doing that for very curious but it wasn't just bill we also saw this come over from trisha anderson deputy general counsel so works under jim baker and says sussman meeting with baker so baker goes and tells them hey this is what we talked about she memorializes this 919, 2016 says uh kind of a first note here no specific client but a group of cyber academics they talked about research article this friday new york times Okay, so another, you know, she's also going, oh, well, first thing is here. My first thought might be maybe he's here on behalf of the Clinton campaign and all of this might be uh, information that is conflicted and we should really look into it. But he says he's just here with a group of academics. So that clears it for me. I guess that's good enough for you. How about you, Bill? Yep. Good enough for me. How about you there, Jim? Yeah, it's good enough for me, too. All right. So they just all kind of allow it to go forward. Nobody asks any follow up questions, I guess. So the order comes back out from judge cooper and now that we have that backdrop he says this case is being prosecuted by john durham special counsel who was appointed under attorney general bill barr under trump investigating the origins of the fbi investigation into the so-called russian interference in the 2016 election this whole russian collusion interference nonsense trial is scheduled to begin on may 16 2022 which is just about a month away from now and we're going to be covering that in depth now there's going to be a lot that we have to dissect before we get there. And we'll get to that at the end of this video. But the judge continues. He says, however, Mr. Sussman in this motion moved for a pretrial dismissal of this indictment for failure to state an offense. He's saying that judge, as I have been charged in the four corners of the indictment, there's just not enough there. Even if you sort of uh, say that we did those things, what the government is saying we did doesn't match the elements of the law. And if I might have done all of these things, that's fine, but it's not something that fits within the violation of the law. And so you can't bring forward an indictment under those conditions, is what the argument was. So here we can see that they're having sort of an issue about the materialness of the rep- misrepresentation. So what, what was it really a lie? And a lie is a very complicated thing, as we learned from Bill Clinton. And it's something that you have to really kind of dissect and say, was it a material lie? Or was it just kind of an inconsequential lie? And so that's what the argument came like from Sean Berkowitz and Michael Bosworth. You can see their photographs down here. Sussman's sole role or sole argument for the dismissal is that even taking into account that the indictment is true, the all of the allegations, he says his misrepresentation to Baker when Sussman was communicating with the FBI, he says it was immaterial as a matter of law. And therefore it can't support a conviction under section one zero zero one. The court, as you can note here, says, well, that's the argument, but the court will deny the motion. So let's break that down. He goes through, he says, listen, we're talking about the materiality of the lie. The question, of course, being when Sussman is talking to the FBI, he says that, you know, I've got all this information about Trump. Please do something with it. That's the materialness that he's talking about. He says, that's what matters the fact who I'm here on behalf of, whether I'm here on behalf of Clinton or Biden or Obama or myself, if I was a good citizen, it doesn't matter. It's an immaterial part of the conversation, an immaterial part of what the FBI cares about or what they're supposed to care about or what they're supposed to do. They sit there, they receive information. Typically, it's in the form of Waldo books. But in this case, it was the form of a lying campaign lawyer. And so he came in and sat down and said, I've got this information for you. That's the only thing that should matter. The Russian, Russian, Russian story. Whereas the actual sort of you know, source of the information is irrelevant. It doesn't matter where I came, where it came from or where I, who I was working for or who fed me the information. If it came from Michael Steele or somebody else who was more legitimate, doesn't matter. Materialness is about the underlying allegation. All right, so he says, under this standard, under the circuit in this court, we have sort of a test. We ask ourselves whether the statement has a natural tendency to influence or it's capable of influence, in either a discrete decision or any other function of the government agency to which it was addressed. So now let's put this in terms of Michael Sussman. He goes in, he says, I've got this information. He leaves out the part that he's working on behalf of Hillary Clinton. If we say that's true, Does it meet this test? Would that information or lack of information, the failure to provide that information, would it influence or would it be capable of influencing some sort of a discrete decision or any other function of the government agency to which it was addressed? Obviously, right. If you're an FBI agent, you have a pretty big, I I would, I would think, I mean, if I was sitting there and somebody says, Rob, I've got, you know, some very important information about this person. And I would say, well, okay, what's the relationship between you and this person? And I don't know. I mean, honestly, I ran into him at a bank and he did this thing and I saw it and I thought you could help. And so can you please help me fix this problem? And, okay, well, if that's a different situation than him saying, well, you know, he happens to be uh, somebody who's sleeping with my wife and whoa, whoa, okay, well, I can see why you're upset about this person. And it kind of clouds the underlying information, right? Any reasonable police officer, investigator, detective, FBI special agent kind of wants to know what the source of the material is. Where's the allegation coming from before they verify it? And here, in my opinion, it would be obvious that that little tidbit would be capable of influencing a discrete decision. Obviously, focusing on the first part of the standard, Sussman, the defense argues that the alleged statement to Baker that he was not meeting on behalf of a client could not have possibly influenced what was, in his view, only a discrete decision before the bureau, whether to an initiate an investigation into the Trump campaign and the allegations against Russia, calling that the discreet decision. It's kind of a you either move forward with an investigation or you don't. And saying that the information about whether Sussman was working for Clinton or not is not really relevant to that. He could have been working for her. They probably should have investigated it. He couldn't have been or wasn't working for her. Well, they probably still should have investigated it. That's his point. It's immaterial. It's not consequential. He continues. He says, all right, so that's the argument coming from the defense. He says at the outset, let's get this clear. Michael Sussman's argument that the materiality of his statement must be assessed only in relation to the decision by the FBI to start the investigation. He says it's based on an overly narrow conception of the applicable standard we talk about this all the time in law right the the scope of the argument the defense is saying oh it's, it's it's only about like that one decision whether to start the investigation or not the judge is saying now that's way too narrow it's way broader than that there's a lot of other tentacles that the fbi has to investigate he says he largely ignores the second part of the test whether the statement could influence any other function of the agency Applying that prong of the materiality standard, he writes, the standard, according to the D.C. Circuit Court, is explained a little bit like this, stated that a lie distorting an investigation already in progress would run afoul of the law. He's quoting a different case from 1985. Sussman seeks to cabin this holding, so sort of set it aside, to statements made during the course of an ongoing investigation. But the court sees no basis for that bright line divide. Now, we're going to set sort of break up the entire delineation of events and set them on either side of that line. As special counsel argues, so Durham, he says it is at least possible that statements made to law enforcement prior to an investigation could materially influence the later trajectory of the investigation. And Sussman offers no legal authority to the contrary. In other words, they're they're saying that that mere possibility that exists that the failure of Sussman to include that little bit of information about who he was working for, it's possible that that could have sort of nudged the FBI investigation one way or another. And because it's possible, it's not appropriate for the court to decide that element right now. He says whether Sussman's alleged statement was in fact capable of influencing either the commencement or the later conduct of the investigation is a very different question. One that the parties hotly dispute. So we have an open issue right now. And what do we do with open issues? Well, we typically send those to the jurors and they can decide these things that are hotly contested. He says, for his part, the special counsel resists the notion that the FBI faced a binary choice. It's either one or the other, either to open an investigation or not. There's a lot of other things that we can do here in deciding on how to respond to the information that Sussman brought forward. Prosecutor says he anticipates that at trial, we're going to see that the Bureau FBI could have instead taken a number of incremental steps. They didn't have to say, OK, we're opening an investigation or nope, no investigation. He says, well, we could have done a couple things. Could have had a less formal assessment of the information. We could have done a preliminary investigation. We could have delayed the decision until after the election. You know, a lot of things. And apparently we have from the opposition motion that coming from the prosecutor, said had Sussman truthfully informed Baker, had Sussman told the FBI the truth, that he was talking about Hillary Clinton, Baker and the other FBI personnel might have asked some follow-up questions, a whole multitude of additional questions, material to the case and the initiation process. Oh, you are working for Hillary. Oh, well, does she know about this? Is she apprised of what's going on here? Okay. Did she authorize you to do this? All right. Well, now this is an election political issue, right? This is now a whole separate category. And now you got to really you know, address it seriously. Now, he gives us some information at the footnote here, it says when evaluating a motion to dismiss a criminal indictment, we got to follow the law, writes Sussman maintains that the court therefore cannot consider special counsel's argument about what the evidence at trial will prove. He says, while the court cannot consider evidence outside the indictment, the four corners of the document. The court does not read the case's Sussman cites for the proposition that it must also disregard the arguments by the government that merely explain or describe how it's going to go about what it's already charged. OK, so some of this is he's explaining a little bit about what's happening in the actual order. Let's see here. He's, he's making sure that the parties are very clear about what sort of what he's ruling on and what he's not ruling on. He says he gives us some case law for some other uh types of cases looks like a tax case. He says, regardless, the indictment itself describes special counsel's theory of materiality, which is the crux of the issue, essentially the same way as he does in his briefing over this issue. He says from the indictment, quote, had Michael Sussman truthfully disclosed, we could have asked additional questions. The court does not read the government's argument that the evidence in trial will prove, quote, that the FBI could have taken these other steps. Okay, so basically he's just saying, listen, I'm ruling on the four corners of the indictment. We're talking about some of these other issues, but I just want to make clear that we understand what the boundaries are of this ruling because we're going to have a lot of other issues that we're going to take up as the calendar progresses. So Judge Cooper continues for a few more slides. Then we'll take a look at the docket and see what comes next. But he says, according to special counsel, pretty obvious that if they would have known this information, they could have asked other questions, and that by itself could have influenced what type of investigation to open. We talked about some of these previously, the you know preliminary investigations or other types of methodologies. He says here, the special counsel also says that Sussman's statement meaningfully influenced the conduct once it was underway. So once they started the investigation, they were also continually nudged. Had Sussman revealed that he had an attorney-client relationship with Mr. Jaffe, tech executive number one, As special counsel posits, the FBI likely would have asked other questions about that. Specifically, is Jaffe reliable? What's Jaffe's motivation in this? Does he have a bone to pick with Donald Trump? Of course, he did. We see here they lay out a little bit more of this. The judge is making crystal clear that he's fleshing out both sides of the argument. He says Sussman attacks special counsel's materiality theories on several fronts. Sussman's arguments are that his objection is that his purported statement lacks a nexus to the initiation of the investigation. In other words, he's saying the the language that he did not use to communicate about his representation of Clinton was not closely related enough to the actual investigation, which should only be focused on Trump-Russia collusion. Okay, Hillary lawyer relationship, he's saying, is too far removed. There's no nexus between those two issues. And he says, Sussman also says that Mr. Baker at the FBI and others were fully aware of the political nature of his clients. In other words, the FBI already knew about this and he wrote it in his notes, which is not a bad argument. I mean, the FBI, right, you'd think that their next question would be, are you working for Hillary Clinton? Like, do you have a client relationship with Hillary Clinton? Why was that question not asked by three different FBI agents? I don't know. Maybe because they didn't want to know what the answer was. Indictment is referenced, noting some more uh, from the actual indictment. He strongly challenges special counsel's contention that the statement could have lulled the FBI into not exploring the resources. I mean, I actually think that's not a bad argument. You know, the FBI bill in his notes wrote that he works for the DNC, represented many VIPs, former DOJ officials. Why was there no question about in the middle of a campaign season when everybody's paying attention to Trump Hillary This is just doesn't seem like a political hit. You don't ask that question, but we are talking about the FBI. So things can get complicated for them. It beggars belief. Sussman suggests that crack FBI investigators, I think meaning good FBI investigators would not have asked such seemingly obvious follow up questions as who gave you this information? How was the data developed simply because they believed he was not conveying the information on behalf of a particular client. So what he's saying here, and this is a good argument from Sussman's defense, is that The FBI agents, they know what they're doing, right? They know what they're doing. They knew exactly what was going on here. They didn't need to ask that question. They had all the details they needed in order to move forward. And so what ultimately happened here is they deemed that this was not material. If they didn't ask it, it's because they didn't need to know it. And they're very experienced. And so all they needed was what they got. And they moved forward one way or the other. Had they known it, wouldn't have changed a thing. So the judge is concluding here. He's telling us the battle lines are thus drawn. You've got the Durham argument. You've got the Sussman argument. But he says the court cannot resolve this standoff prior to trial. This has to go forward to a trial. The jurors have to be the people, the ones who decide what happens and this outcome. He cites a case from the Supreme Court where they unanimously held that because materiality is an element of the offense, well, it's got to be answered by the jury. You know, they get to decide those things. Indeed, all the cases Sussman sites where courts have found alleged false statements to be immaterial were decided after a trial and on appeal from post-trial motion. So they're just a little too early in this thing. They want the judge to dump the case, but judge doesn't have that ability to do that because this is what you prove in front of jurors. So while Sussman is correct that certain statements might be so peripheral or unimportant to a relevant agency that they could be material under 101, but a uh, 1001, the court is unable to make that determination ourselves as to this alleged statement before hearing the government's evidence, meaning it has to go forward at a trial. And he says that any such decision must therefore wait until trial. And so he writes here, accordingly, It is hereby ordered that defendant Sussman's motion to dismiss the indictment is denied. So ordered April 13th, 2022, and not a big surprise. This is something that happens in most cases. And we just covered another motion to dismiss the indictment. I forget what case that was on, but there's, you know, a lot of these that get filed and they're typically denied. So not a big surprise, but something that the defense has to do. And we know that this is not the end of it. The defense has other motions that are pending. This is the court docket as of April 14th. You can see here, this is the opinion and the order that we just read through from Judge Cooper, but there are other things happening. So we've got some really sort of an aggressive scheduling couple days, couple weeks coming up. We have the court issues a briefing schedule, on the motion to compel. And so I want to show you that briefly. There was a motion docket item 64 filed by the government. So you can see here by the United States, it's a motion to compel the production of documents. It's Durham and the government prosecutors saying Sussman and his lawyers, they've got some things that we want. They're not giving it to us. And so judge, we need you to order them to do that. We need you to compel them to gather up those materials and send them over to us for or actually for you to take a look at yourself in an in-camera review, which means the judge would look at these documents. In other words, the government is requesting them, but they know they might not be able to get them because these are attorney client privilege documents or these are something that they shouldn't be looking at. So they're saying, "Well, we think we still should see them. But before we just ask you to send them over to us, judge, why don't you go take them back in your chambers, do an in-camera review, look through them all, and you decide whether you think we should have them or not. We don't need to see them but we want you to look at them and tell us if you think we should see them. So they filed that motion. The defense is obviously arguing against that. They do not want to disclose that stuff. Here you can see the defense filed a motion. So there's a motion to exclude the government's proposed expert witness testimony. Sussman and his defense team filed that. And so there's going to be arguments about all this stuff coming forward. We've got motions in limine. We've got evidentiary motions, oral arguments taking place April 27th at 2 p.m., we're going to be covering this in depth as this move forward. We have other briefing deadlines, oppositions by 418. And then we've got the government's reply 425. So a lot of activity in April on the Michael Sussman case. This is a little bit of the motion to compel. This is item 64. And so you're saying, well, what documents do they want from the Sussman defense team? What might they have that is so valuable that we want to get our hands on it? as government prosecutors, it's hard to tell. We can see from this document 64 that this is the conclusion of the motion. It's a 23 page motion, but they're at what I'm interested in what they're asking for in particular. And this is where we see a little bit of it. They want the retainer agreement between law firm one and fusion GPS. And they want other documents listed in exhibit a. So you think, oh, perfect exhibit a. I can't wait to see what documents they want because documents are where we get a lot of fun information. Exhibit A. Perfect. Let's see what it is. Oh, you're kidding me. Filed under seal. So we don't get to see what they're fighting over, but we do know they've got a lot of briefings due. They're going to be scheduled for oral arguments coming up very soon. Evidentiary motions and oral arguments on April 27th. And so we're going to continue to follow this case. I hope you join us on that journey. We'll be back April 27th, but I'm sure before that. And so I hope you join us as we continue to cover this one. I would love it if you subscribed before you got out of here, shared this video with a friend or family member, somebody who is also interested in the Sussman, Hillary Clinton, Russian collusion hoax, because it is a doozy of one and we'll continue to cover it. Thanks so much for watching. And I look forward to seeing you on the next one.